Well, good afternoon again. Didn't you really, really enjoy that lunch? I think we should have said for the people that weren't staying this afternoon, they couldn't have it, but it's too late. They got it. It was great. The Italian sausages and the meatballs and that sauce um, was really good, and uh, we really enjoyed it. I'm thankful to be here with you. Um, thanks for having invited me to come and spend this weekend with you. It's been great. I've really enjoyed it. Um, those of you that know me know I actually made an illusion yesterday, perhaps in the... Um, my OCD is kicking in here. Um, and made an allusion um, yesterday to the fact that I sometimes take space trips. Now, what I mean by that is I really believe that we need to think. It's one of the spiritual disciplines, which we're going to get into later, sometimes to take quiet time and think. And um, I, I believe firmly our, our, our tethers, we're rooted to the Word of God. We have to be. If anything I've said yesterday or today makes you scratch your head, um, first of all, good. Secondly, come talk to me if you have any questions, if you ever wonder. Uh, not that I have all the answers. In fact, many of these things, I, I, I am looking at my own experience and challenging my own self. And it doesn't mean I have a full, clear road forward, practically speaking. But I, I, I think we need to think sometimes and challenge ourselves as to what the Word of God teaches us. And so we've been looking at community. And I wanted to talk about community and how the character of our God is reflected in us in the living out of that community. But we can, we're not going to get to that. We're just going to try to finish community. And we talked about it in different levels. In fact, maybe we'll just go quickly through uh, maybe a few minutes just uh, what we went through yesterday, which was essentially just a couple of verses we looked at. One of the, the key things, the greatest truths, is that Jesus Christ became flesh and he dwelt among us. And we talked about this whole concept of God coming closer from walking with Adam in the, in the garden through an exodus through the, and with Moses and the mount and the tent of meeting and the tabernacle and the temple to Jesus Christ coming, then the spirit of God actually dwelling within us and then actually to a, a, a fruition to the day will come when not only are we together here now in life as believers having all things together, in common, and living together, and doing life together, and living in community together, but we will be in our eternal home together. And that is the glorious anticipation of what is to come. And Revelation tells us this, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. So we learned a couple of core key lessons yesterday. One of the lessons that we learned was the fact that God is a relational God. Community first exists in the Trinity, God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, before ever the worlds were formed. What we know about community and relationships, we learn from God. But then we learned that he pursues us for this fellowship. He wants to dwell with us. And what he inculcates into us, not just by virtue of the way we're born naturally, but spiritually now, is that we live together. We are in each other's lives. He has brought us into family. We are created in his image, and thus we have been built for relationship, or we have been created for community. And this is God's design. We talked yesterday in depth about the duty he gives to us and what the scriptures support, how the apostles all taught about this, our duty, and then our ultimate destiny. We talked about this word 20 times in, the, in our New Testament, koinonia, uh, which is just this fellowship, a share we have in something. We talked about our share you know, in, the, in the body of Christ. And that's where we got to talking about where we started yesterday, um, these three different levels, the, the body of Christ, the local church, 
And then in a personal level, in our relationships together, maybe you might even want to call that in some smaller groups, how we interrelate with each other. We spoke, and where we finished yesterday was on this uh, slide. We talked about 1 Corinthians 12. And, and while we see truth that is applicable to the local church, the local assembly here, contextually, this is predominantly, as verse 12 and verse 13 shows us in 1 Corinthians 12, this is the church which is his body. And, and, and so there is a responsibility that we have here as the illustration is given of one member not despising another member, of an interdependence and of a diversity. In fact, God has actually designed the body for diversity, not uniformity. Uniformity would kill diversity. If we were all noses, it would look funny. Uh, we're different, right? That's the way God is. That's not the big thing, but even in, in the church in its local sense. And we talked about things that we're thankful. I am thankful. We talked about Nabil Qureshi, who just passed away, his funeral this past Thursday, an Islamic apologist who becomes saved by his interaction with another student on a university campus and becomes a great defender of the Christian faith. And at 34 years of age, God calls him home. But a wonderful, wonderful blessing to the body of Christ and how he was used of God. And we remember there is a difference between cooperation and interaction and isolation. We don't need or want isolation. And there's going to be times when, based on the, the amount of truth and practice that we can agree on, there's going to be perhaps limited cooperation. But God forbid we say there can be no interaction. There has to be some interaction. Even in your community here, there are other believers that you can influence and help. You could pray with them, coffee shop or elsewhere. And you can actually be used of God to communicate truth. You have truth, you hold truth, you know truth. Well then, share that. And you're going to have to do that by interacting. And we have a fellowship that we share because God has brought us into this fellowship in the body. This is one of the truths that we learn when we read these verses. I think this is on right here, is it now? Yeah. In some of these verses, we look at 1 John chapter 1, and it says this, that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. Never despise a fellow believer. Be thankful for every believer you ever meet and find. And even in 1 Corinthians, and I, sometimes I've often focused on verse 9, but take it in its context, both in what follows in verse 10 and what precedes it in verse 2, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called. You were brought into this fellowship with the Son, a sharing, that's a share in something. You have a share in this life, Jesus Christ our Lord, and immediately Paul goes in verse 10 into, so listen, why are some people saying, I'm of Christ, I'm of Paul, I'm of Peter, I'm of, no divisions. That's what Peter, that's what Paul is getting at here. And I think this is a, you look at the world, you think of our gospel testimony, you think of how we reach out into our communities where God has placed us. One of the greatest things said, I think, was by this man, Francis Schaeffer, and he said this, and this is irrefutable. Our relationship with each other, how we live in community, how we interact with other believers is the criterion the world uses to judge whether or not our message is truthful. Christian community, he says, is the final apologetic. Because we can have ironclad, we can nail down all the, the dot the I's and cross the T's and preach clear truth in our gospel. But if it does not carry into our practice, 
in all of its forms, then our gospel loses its strength. And a world that watches says, mm, I'm not sure that's really producing what you say it's meant to produce. Because the gospel brings us into family, into a fellowship, brings us one with God and then one with our brethren. So you look at this things, you say, okay, this is challenging, right? I mean, divisions, we should be able to avoid these things, should we not? Like normally, if we all have the Spirit of God dwelling within us, if we all own the Lordship of Christ, if we all have been born from above with new life dwelling within, designed by God, a duty to obey His Word, and a destiny to be together, you would think that this should be easy. And yet experience tells us that it's sometimes not. Because despite having this design in our very spiritual DNA, we have a little problem. In fact, for many of us, we'd have to say it's a big problem. Uh, I say it's a big problem. And the big problem is our flesh. And that's what Paul says in Romans 7. And Dan touched on this. Start, I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. Your flesh. And there's things about us. What does James say? Remember James gets at this. He says, what is the source of wars and fights among you? James is writing to a big audience here. What is the source? Where do these problems come from? He says, don't they come from the cravings that are at war within you? These problems are resident within us. This is part of the very issue. And so, what we look when we see inside, and we can all hold up the mirror and look into it, that pride, yes, spiritual pride, leads us to esteem, ultimately, ourselves. Better, we, 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 we automatically assume we're on the pinnacle. And then we despise others. Paul warns against this. He says, do nothing out of rivalry or conceit. Philippians 2, 3, he says, in humility, consider others as more important than yourselves. Beautiful truth. We love to preach it. We love to quote it. And it does a good thing for our heart in this beautiful portion of Christological truth with the, the sublime example given to us. And yet... In shoe leather, it is so, can I say stinking hard? It's just hard. Honestly, consider others as more important than me? Really, who's more important than us? And yet, that's what God says. Paul says again, Philippians 4, Two sisters that are fighting, but now this is the truth of the whole assembly. This is the truth of the whole body. He says, let your graciousness, this is really your willingness to not insist on your own rights, your own way. Let your, your graciousness, your moderation, let this be known to everyone. Just before that, he says, let your requests be known to God. Don't publish those. Tell God about those. But let your disposition, your willingness to not insist on your own rights. Hey, it has to be my way. We're going to arrange it the way I say. We're going to do it by this style. Our application of this principle driven into a practice must be like this. Well, it's okay that you do it that way. And thank God for a heritage of truth that we have and for spiritual wisdom and even for spiritually healthy practices. But it doesn't mean we need to despise some other things that are within the realm of those spiritual principles. And we definitely don't want to just insist constantly. We need to display and show Christ-like character, graciousness. Paul speaks, therefore, faithfully to Peter. You know this situation in Galatians chapter two. All's going well with Peter. He's getting along with them all. 
but dear old Peter again, and even Barnabas, okay? Barnabas, his nickname was Barnabas. And he's the encourager. He's the guy that's always got, he's got the eye on Paul. He brings Paul into the brethren, okay? In Jerusalem, he introduces him. Paul, you know, Barnabas is a guy who's after John Mark. He's a guy with thoughtful insight into the lives of others and, and pours himself into the lives of others, but he's caught up with this. And it says here in Galatians 2.11, when Peter came to Antioch, Paul says, I opposed him to his face because he had clearly done wrong. Even Barnabas was led astray with them by their hypocrisy. Yeah, brethren, we can be like that. He says this, but when I saw, now here's the key, that they were not behaving consistently with the truth of the gospel. See, it, it is about the gospel. And not just gospel meaning John 3, 16. That's what I mean. The gospel is the whole message. The gospel is the whole thing. And when our lives are not consistent with this, our treatment of others are not consistent, they are actually setting aside one group of believers and saying, no, we're not going to eat with you. Or we're not going to associate with you. When I saw that they were not behaving consistently, Peter calls, Paul calls Peter aside and he stands right in front of him and he says, Peter, not good. We got to talk about this. And they do talk about it. And, and so I wonder sometimes if maybe, just maybe, with graciousness, with kindness, in the spirit of humility, with an ample display of brotherly love, can we communicate and talk? Can we think? Like, my purpose here today, my objective is to make us think. I, I love that. Forgive me for mentioning Ravi Zacharias again, but I love that motto he has, let my people think. Like, we need to think. I, I'm not advocating a wholesale changes of things here, but I am hoping you will go away and with the word of God, think. And, and if you find something, say, Dan, you are off the deep end. Well, throw me a lifeline and pull me in because I don't want to be there. And I try to keep my tether attached to the word of God. But I'm learning too, and so are you. But maybe we could, we could address some of these things sometimes. But what's our challenge? Here's what we really want to do. We want to hold tightly to this book, to the truth of this book. And, and we need to confront any deviation from it. But we want to, though, carefully distinguish between spiritual traditions and biblical practices. It doesn't mean spiritual traditions need to be jettisoned. But we need to distinguish between spiritual traditions and biblical practices practices undergirded by the word of God, particularly when there's a doubt about that. We need to show grace, be gracious, show grace to those whose preferred practices perhaps could distinguish themselves or actually be moderately different. It doesn't mean cooperation in every sense, but it will mean we are brethren and there's an interaction perhaps. So there's, there's going to be varying scales of that. And the autonomy of every local church is, and the community and the dynamics of the community and where you live and the, the prevalence of, of some other kinds of error. You, you know, where I live, it, we have apostolic churches. And it's Jesus only to deny the Trinity. And, and we have Luz del Mundo, the light of the world, the big tower. And they have their apostle in Guadalajara. And, and then we have, you know, some Jehovah's Witnesses with their full-on suits. I mean, nicer than mine. And I have bikes on the inside of mine. Um, up and down the streets. We have other kinds of sex and cults. So, you know, it's not just, it's not a matter of, 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 of kicking the door down and leaving it wide open for everything. It's not, but maybe, maybe we could install a peephole and look out through and start there. We need to be willing to communicate and interact. Because if we have been given 
such a deposit of truth. We need to share it. We need to share it. And iron does sharpen iron. We could actually learn a thing or two, because we have over these 20, dec uh, 20 centuries since the Spirit of God came and formed the body of Christ and church history began. There's always been learning, and we will continue to learn. So sharing and interacting does require, though, if we're going to, in the body of Christ, in this context, if we're going to do some of this, it's going to require that somebody takes a first step, makes that call or an invite, or just shows himself friendly. That's all I'm advocating, gentlemen, sisters. Just reach out. Because you can, you can actually influence people. You can see souls one for Christ that know nothing of the gospel. But you can find, I, can I talk about my mom and my dad again for a second? You know, when I grew up, my mom and dad, um, we, we lived in St. John's, Newfoundland, and the, the First Baptist Church was a very fundamental, uh, you know, autonomous, they would swear up and down about autonomy even, and, and, and fundamental in their truth of the scriptures, their hold was great. There were some things evidently in a one-man ministry that we could never have, you know, that, that really complicated or, or contradicted the priesthood of all believers, and there were some things. But my parents, not because they're super outgoing or did anything like this, but we had some kind of interaction with these people. Sometimes in our home, and hymn sings, my dad loves to sing. And they'd get over, they'd play the piano, they'd sing. Well, through that, we've maintained friendships to this very day of, of, of dear saints, children of God, who we share truth with and a love for Christ. And we can pray together. And some of them are now coming, and, and they have left some of the circles they've been in. And, and you've got Glenn and Margie Todd in Ottawa, and you have Ben Welshman. He's an overseer in Halifax. And you have different ones that have come through, through interaction. Just interaction. Don't be afraid to interact with others. Remember what the Lord Jesus prayed when he spoke to his father. He said this, the desire of his heart. Do you remember what it was? May they all be one. As you, Father, are in me and I am in you, may they also be one in us. So the world may believe. Paul confronts Peter. Why? Because the hypocrisy of their interaction with other believers was not consistent with the truth of the gospel. He said, I got to stop you here, Peter. I can handle a lot of diversity, a lot of deviation. But this is getting at the core heart of the issue here. And he has to stop them. So is it asking a lot? Yeah, maybe so. And um, I'm going to tell you that you in your own small corner and I in mine will have to sort out some of the issues and work through some of these things. But again, to make you think, are we willing to try? And I come back to this. And what I remember when we talk about community is that God created community. Never forget that. This is something that God ordained. And you go through this and we see these truths. And I won't take time to go through these verses. But by the way, if anybody wants this presentation after, I'll put it in a Dropbox. You can have the whole thing. It's in keynotes. Um, or you just want to print out our PDF or however you want it. Snail mail. Um, you know, I, I'm happy to share it because this will give you my thought process as we go through this. But Ephesians, we've been brought near. God is made out of two groups, made them one. He's made us fellow citizens, members together in one body. We've been transferred to the kingdom by one spirit. We've been brought into to one body. So God created this community, but then God has commanded this community. And that's why he tells us, don't neglect meeting together. Welcome one another. One spirit, one mind, striving side by side. Don't let there be divisions among you. These are things that God tells us. And yet there is crisis in our communities. 
on the macro level and even the micro level. I just give them these two terms here that we can refer to, organ transplant rejection. When the community of the body turns on itself, instead of welcoming and receiving, it actually rejects. And so right here, Paul says to them in 1 Corinthians 12, 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. That is a, a, a rejection of another member. You can't do that. And yet there's also these times I'd call it autoimmune disease, where the very members to be protected and to be helped and to be supported by the body are actually done damage to by the body. The body itself begins to inflict pain, inflict harm. And you know what that's called? It's called sickness. It's called disease. In the physical realm, we see doctors urgently. And I fear, could it be? I'm asking this as a question. That sometimes in our own experience, starting with me, I've got a spiritual blinder on where I am doing some of this stuff and not realizing it. But God gives us the true, genuine character of, of community. Acts 2 shows us this. It's a beautiful, beautiful portion in verse 42 to 47. And you see this full devotion to Christ as every heart is pointed. And Dan reminded us of that this morning. He is the objective. He is the focal point. He is what draws our heart to him. But there's an expectation then. With every eye on Christ, there's an expectation that God's going to work. There's a strong commitment to each other. You can't be committed to Christ and not committed to each other. There is a generosity. There will be a sharing. There will be a mutual care. There will be happy days of warm fellowship. Not just when the meeting is in session, but 24-7, in as much as it is possible. City life is complicated. 2017 is a lot harder than 1967. And I wasn't even alive then, in case you're wondering. It's harder. We need to make effort to, to get in each other's lives. And you see that in the last verse, in verse 47, you see these real relationships that are formed as there is growth and joy. That's what we want in the vibrancy of a Christian community on a local level. And in as much as it is possible, extending out from there. I always like to quote this guy because he's a funny comedian too. You know who he is, right? Mark Lowry. He says this, and I think it's just interesting. He says, it's not us and them. It's just us and him. And you know what I mean when I talk about the us and them mentality. Just, it just, it's, this is a thinking process, okay? It's a thinking process. I need to get my eye on Christ. Make sure me, with my, the, the, where I fellowship, where I am in assembly fellowship, or as I called it yesterday, even a membership, as I belong, as I, as I throw my weight into that group of believers, I'm going to support and love the work of God and thankful to God that he's doing a work on a big level. He's a big God. But I need to plug in in a local community as well. Not denigrate, not reject what God's doing in a broader circle that is way beyond my pay grade. But I need to plug in locally. And oh, I was going to say, oh, hala. <laughs> you know that one. Uh, that we can actually do this. I'm going to pull this wire up because something down there is pulling it down. Anyways, it's back. So what's the mindset we want to cultivate? I'll go quickly through this because I want to get to a couple more things with you. The common challenge. This is something we all face. Romans 12, 18. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Be personally responsible. In as much as it lies within you, live peaceably with others. I like this, the Peter principle, I call it. Peter says to his Lord and his bravo, Lord, if everyone runs away because of you, I will never run away. And then almost John 21, we jump over and say, oh, hang on a second. What about this guy here? What about John? 
And the Lord is saying, Peter, no, no. Eyes on the prize. Eyes on me, Pete. Don't worry about him, okay? The Peter principle. What about the Elijah? What did poor old Elijah think? I, even I only, am left. <laughs> no, no, you're not alone. No, God's actually got it all under control. But this is a common affliction. Sometimes we really think. I can think that I am quite alone, that there's nobody upholding what I'm seeking to uphold. And yet God will surprise us as he brings us into contact with dear saints who are literally living with the same objective and goal. The disciples' delusion, Luke 9, we saw someone driving out demons in your name and we tried to stop him because he does not follow you, Lord. Oh, no, he doesn't say that. He said he does not follow us. Hmm. We have a big God, right? You know what's interesting? It just occurred to me as I read through this recently one time. When we read this, you know what we always think? We're the ones with the Lord talking to the Lord about the guy over there. Do you ever think that maybe we're the guy over there and someone else is talking to the Lord and the Lord is telling the other people, hey, you leave those boys alone there in the gospel hall. They're okay. No, that couldn't be. Could it? The Job joke. No doubt, but ye are the people and wisdom shall die with you. Hmm. How about the Abrahamic Accord? This is what we really want, right? What does Abraham say to Lot? Listen, Lot, it's good. Let's not have no strife here. You want right? I'll go left. You want left? I'll go right. The harvest is white. The fields are big. God has placed you where you are. He's placed others where they are. Let's, let's work to uphold truth and to seek to win souls for Christ. And the spiritual solution then becomes this, Romans 12, 3. Let's not think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. And 2 Peter tells us, 2 Timothy tells us, as Paul writes to him, says, listen, Timothy, here's your objective, here's your goal. You be diligent to present yourselves to God. That's who you're presenting yourself to, to God. That's your focal point. Present yourselves to God as workers that have no need to be ashamed, who have handled accurately, accurately, the word of truth. So, May God help us to do this. And while we're at it, never forget the beauty of belonging to the body of Christ, a member of the bride of Christ. We will be together. God is bringing us through this. We will be together. There will be a multitude. No man will be able to number a throng. You think the singing was great at Dave and Andrew's place last night? That was great singing. Great sing It was phenomenal singing. It was, it was you know... We talked about the prisoners heard when Paul sang in prison. Well, I think the people up and down the street had to have heard that. It was beautiful, heartwarming. I, I mean, am I a softy or what? There were times when I couldn't sing. I mean that. It's not like throwing that in because it's a good thing in the middle of your message. No, there literally was. There were times when I was so impacted by the beauty and the joy of harmoniously singing together and pouring out our hearts in praise to God. I say, man, this is the real thing. And what a beauty to be, beautiful thing to be a part of this. And yet that goes out into broader circles even still. But let's take our few moments here and talk about this in a local church setting as well because there are things we want to get at here. Can I just say this and let's, let's just read carefully what I'm saying and listen carefully to what I'm going to say here. Because this is a sense of community and every believer, God expects to be in community in a local sense. So in principle, okay, in principle, every Christian belongs in a local church. God never saved anybody to be alone. He expects and designs every single believer to be in a local church, a local assembly, a local Christian community. That's where God expects them to be. The Bible 
never envisions it any other way. Now, if you think or if you find any, come, but we're going we're gonna to go through this. And there are three basic reasons, and we're going to get a little more detail here for, in a moment. The three basic reasons are this. First of all, it's normal. It is normal to be a part of this. It's just, this is not the strange thing. This is not, wow, he became a part of the local church. He joined the assembly. Or No, this is the normal thing. God never intended you to be alone. It's normal, and it is natural. It is a natural inclination of a soul brought into a family to be with that family. And if we were, are, 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 are uh, used, utilized, um, what's that other word? Anyways, get that out of my head. Um, if we are, ah, my, word, my brain wants to get that word, but it's gone. If we are part of the plan that God uses to bring someone to faith in Christ, how much more so than to see them brought right in? Because it's normal and it is natural, but it is very necessary. Listen. You wouldn't take your natural children and leave them in the street. You wouldn't. Why? Because you know more than they know. You know the dangers. You know what they could be exposed to. Bring them into a safety zone. There is no safer place than the local assembly, than the local church. And that's why when I think of a local church, I think of this as a school, first of all. And why do you go to school? Do you stay and learn so you can be qualified to go to school? No. You go to school to learn. You don't learn to go to school. The same thing if it was a hospital. You, you don't go, uh, you don't get well so you can go. You go so you can get well. And this is where you're going to get spiritual care. This is where you're going to get nurture. This is where you're going to get support and help. It's like a restaurant. You don't eat so you can go. You go so you can eat. This is where you'll be pastored. Yeah, the word is pastoring, to give food, to shepherd, to care. This is where you will get it. It is like a gym. This is where you will function, where you will exercise. You don't get fit. You don't say, you know what, you stand at the door of the gym, they look you up and down and say, uh, <laughs> go give me 20 miles for the next two weeks and come back here and I may take another look at you and see if you can qualify to come into our gym. Mm -mm. They look at you and they say, oh boy, get right in on that treadmill. <laughs> Hang on, we're going to handcuff you to this and crank it up. We're going to do eight-minute miles and seven-minute miles and six-minute miles. No, we're going to put you on a bike better. Put you on a bike. You know the idea. You see what I'm getting at? I'm just trying to make you think here. The local assembly is normal. It's natural. It's necessary. It's where we get these things. Now, sometimes in the local assembly, we can be a little bit intimidated because when you do come in, if it's functioning as God intends it to function, there's going to be a lot of uh, closeness. You're going to get in people's faces. It's kind of like going to the Volvano home maybe during a festival time. You know, I don't know. It's kind of like, is, am, I, am I getting close to there? Yeah, thanks, Josh. You know, Alan, are you here? I don't know. Um, you're, you're, gonna, you're going to bump into people. You're going to rub shoulders. You're going to get, you know, it's like having a conversation with one of the princes. They're going to ask you a million questions, and uh, these are the way things are going to happen. Um, so relationships can be intimidating. Sometimes we get out of our comfort zone. I, I like this picture. I thought of this as the, the, the elevator phenomena, and I don't know what you think, but that guy there looks an awful lot. You can't see because it's not a brilliant picture. I'm sorry that the projectors aren't as clear as we would love them to be. That looks just like Dave Zudema, doesn't it? The big guy in the front. Just like Dave Zudema. I think maybe these lights here, you don't need these ones on up here. If we could turn these lights off, that would even help. Um, 
But, you know, what happens when you go into an elevator? Well, people kind of get all quiet. They're all talking, the door's closed. I mean, there's always that one guy who keeps talking, you know what I mean? Uh, there's always a Kate in there somewhere or whatever, and they just, you know, they keep talking. But this is a problem. It kills human interaction. And, and sometimes the closer we get, if we don't feel comfortable, if we don't live the reality of community, we can, we can become very sheltered, and we can actually put on what we call masks. We don't want that. Because we get, mm, people are coming close to me. I say, like, get away. It's kind of like the, you know, my space is being invaded. And, and we're good to get to meeting, and we're good to smile, and we're good to participate, and we're good to get out. And how you doing? You might have had the most terrible experience of your life that morning. And the temptation is to say, I'm doing pretty good. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Great. See you, uh, see you Tuesday. I might not make it Tuesday, but see you next Sunday. That's not community. That's not body life. It's not healthy. That's why we have failures in our relationships. So what are we afraid of? I wonder sometimes if we're not afraid of the very things that make relationships real. What we learn from God himself. Very things that God has implanted. And he says, this is what ought to exist amongst us. There needs to be an openness. There needs to be a transparency. There needs to be honesty and intimacy and equality. This is what should exist in the community of a local church, a family, a body, a bride. This is who we are. So where you come from, here in Midland Park, wherever you're from, I, I, you know, the worst thing is I've got to go home and my wife's going to tell me, Dan, that sounded wonderful, great. Now, what about where you are? I, you know, the theory is always a lot easier than the practice. But I, I see my, I, this is born out of my own feelings of, of what I, I feel we're, we've missed sometimes. The freshness, the vitality, the vibrancy with which this precious thing began. Has it slipped? Not wholesale, okay, I'm not saying it's all gone. I'm just saying, we may need to revisit some things. Let me ask you about this. I'll pique your attention, eh? What about reception? So if this is normal and natural and necessary, do we say, no, you're not ready? Do we? Think with me quickly of a biblical example. And I'm only going to give you what the Word of God says, and you can, you can sort your way through this. Okay, you're going to have to make up your own mind about some of these things. But here's what I will tell you. In New Testament times, as you go through the Scriptures, reception was initially automatic. Now, that's going to sound, follow me through here, okay? Acts 2, what happens in Acts 2? Everyone that believed was baptized and received the same day. Okay, now that's Acts 2. That's the start. That's the very start. And you say, now, hang on a second, Dan. Everybody, so did any children believe? I mean, could a 12-year-old, could an 11-year-old, could a 10-year-old, God forbid, could a 9-year-old function? in a local assembly according to their age of maturity and their level and their capacity developing in many ways could they well remember remember what the Lord Jesus said that if you want to become if you want to enter the kingdom you've got to become like a child then if you have to become like a child to enter the kingdom could a child not honor and love and obey the king could they? Here's what Matthew 21 says. 
you know, and, and here's the Lord Jesus speaking. And the context here is important and interesting. Out of the mouth of infants and nursing babies, you have prepared praise. But note the context here of Matthew 21 and 16, because I'm not advocating nursing babes. That's not what I'm talking about. And neither was the Lord Jesus, but he was giving them something. He was stretching their elastic, if you will allow that. And he says here, in the verses leading up to this, he enters the temple, he drives out all who sold and bought in the temple. Um, verse 14, the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did and the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David. Not the adults here. These are the children crying out, Hosanna to the son of David. They were indignant. And they said to him, do you hear what these are saying? It's almost like Simeon. When that woman comes into his house and he says, if you were a prophet, you would know what manner of woman has come in you, has been touching you, and has cleaned your feet with her tears and dried them with her hair. You would know. And the Lord has a message for Simeon, just like he has a message for these. Like, maybe he has a message for us. Do you hear what these are saying? Jesus said to them, yes. Yes, I've heard them. Oh, he hears their praises too. Have you never read? Out of the mouths of infants and nursing babes, you have prepared praise. And leaving them, he went out of the city. Brethren, just go away and think about it. How about Acts 9? You say, well, Paul was never received. He wasn't. Ananias comes in. The Lord says, Ananias, I got a job for you. Ah, Lord, that's not a job I want. Do you, do you not hear about this guy, Saul? The New Testament terrorist? Osama bin Laden? Reincarnated? Oh, no, that'll be the other verse, right? The other way around. Yeah, whatever. Uh, Ananias, okay, Lord, I'll go. And he brings, and he says to him immediately, Brother Saul, what beautiful words. And what does Saul do? Getting his sight baptized, he goes out and immediately starts preaching. He's with these believers, he's with these saints, and then by the virtue of the issue that he's facing there, he has to leave the city, and he goes to Jerusalem. He must have longed to get back to Jerusalem. Here's a man, he destroyed the city, he knows the homes in which he has left widows, where he's left orphans, where he's robbed them and left them naked and destitute. And he goes in the city, and as he approaches believers, before he even gets to touch the door, figuratively or literally, they are scurrying for their lives. Barnabas is there, prepared by God, a man with intuition, sees him, says, no, God's working in this guy's life, and he takes Paul, and he brings him into the apostles. But this was like a letter of commendation, if you will. Saul was already practicing, functioning, received in Damascus. In the New Testament, I will tell you, not only was a new believer, now I have to make a distinction here. Are we okay? I got a couple more minutes, Clive, and we're okay. Never mind, they don't know about the clocks around here, anyways. In the New Testament, not only was a new believer never refused reception, a new believer really never had to ask. They were brought in, they were part of the family, they were encouraged, embraced, loved, supported. Now, I, I know there's, there's differences because you live in a community like this and we live in a day and age and we're going to get to that, to the unfolding reality here. And there's a difference between seeing your neighbor who you've witnessed to for seven years and you've had her in your home and you've talked to her 
And then she becomes, and she hears the gospel preached, and God works in her life marvelously, and she is brought to faith in Christ. This is not someone that you need to be worried about, right? This is someone you need to throw your arms around and say, thank you, and bring them in and encourage them to, to throw their lot in and be a part of that local church, to be committed to it. ASAP. Different from another guy who says, you know, I've been traveling around all the churches, and I've learned a lot of stuff, and I've got a lot of stuff I want to share with you guys. I, okay, great, that's really great. Hey, have a seat right here, and let's, we'll have a chat. We'll go for coffee. What are you doing tomorrow? You're going to be slow. You're going you're to approach it differently. All I'm just saying, there's not one, not one size fits all here. We need to think about this, because there is wisdom that's needed. Think of Acts 15, real quickly through this. The church faces an unprecedented problem. The very integrity of the gospel is challenged. People go out from Judea, and they go to Antioch, and they are teaching false truth. False truth? Moxymoron, false doctrine, false teaching. And, and, and Paul and Barnabas dispute with them, and they go back up. They're sent by the believers in Antioch, and they go back, and they settle this, and eventually a letter goes out and says, listen, some guys went out. We had nothing to do with them going out. What they said was wrong. Here's the truth. But no big warning at this stage. Like, by the way, they're not to be received ever again. That doesn't even come up. You get to um, Acts 15. Oh, so you get to 1 John. John identifies some that had been received. And they had left. Now just think about what really that teaches us. Their lack of reality, if it was that they were never saved, this was not something that was distinguishable or confirmable until after they had gone. So they had been welcomed. They had been received. And it wasn't actually known until after they were gone what the real story was. So there wasn't a net so fine that they couldn't even have gotten in. And now it gets a little more serious. We get to... 2 John, verse 10. And John says this. There's problems out there. The landscape is changing. There are false teachers abounding. There is caution needed. He says, if anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching that Christ has come in the flesh, so that Jesus of Nazareth is not the Christ. The Christ is still waiting to come. He's not the Christ. If he's not the Christ, he's not the Savior. If he's not the Savior, they're not saved. So number one, these aren't even brethren with erroneous teaching. These literally are people that are not saved. But even in this case, take it however way you want to take it there, he says, don't receive them into your house. Probably they're, I mean, you didn't have church buildings to about 300 AD anyways. So this is their, the church in their house, likely. Don't, 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 you can't receive them, okay? Don't open your door to that. So there was a, a need to, to at least be cautious, but these were roaming false teachers, maybe different than Mrs. Smith next door who was brought to faith in Christ. A little bit different, perhaps. You get to 3 John, and what happens there? In 3 John, you see someone, Diotrephes, and he's changing this situation completely. And he now will not receive the brethren. He won't receive the brethren. Honest, true brethren. So, what are some related issues here? And we've got to go really, really quickly. Uh, he says this in Romans 16. I appeal to you, brothers, watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles. He says, avoid them. There will be situations. These are probably people now that have been among us and are demonstrating by their life. It's just problems. There's going to be an issue there. That maybe is not even the issue of reception, but I needed to throw it out for you. Also with Titus chapter 3, people who are constantly stirring division, they're warned once or twice. Listen, you're going to have to have nothing to do with them, okay? Moving on real quickly. A practical point then just for today. All I've told you is don't try to teach or treat every situation the same. John tells them in 1 John 4, test the spirits. 
Okay, there's going to be wisdom required here. We're going to have to approach every situation a little bit differently. Pay careful attention, Paul says to the Ephesian overseers. Pay careful attention to yourself. So there will be questions that have to be asked sometimes. There will be. There's going to be times when time is going to be required because it's, we can. But it doesn't mean every situation. Not every time, not all the time. But there are times like that. Right attitudes. You're going to look for that. You're going to want that. And there is the autonomy of every local church to, to recognize and to deal with. There must be autonomy. So can I ask you, as we have to conclude, and I'm not done, but that's not new. There's no such thing as somebody who's really just not assembly material. There's problems they could have in their thinking that could make it complicated. But just don't look at somebody and say, no, they, you know, they're just not assembly material. I think of this. Sometimes we might need to learn the lesson that Peter learned. Remember the lesson that God taught Peter? He says this, what God has made clean, do not call common. And this happened three times. And then later, Peter says this. He says, God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. What about Christians who sin? Yeah, real quickly. Do you avoid them or do you love them? Do you encourage them? I mean, 1 Corinthians 5 is an extreme case. We don't build rules from, except, uh, ex- you know, from exceptions. And I'm not saying, I can't get into discipline here. And I'm, not, I'm not contravening some of these things, but I, I'm telling you, there, there's thought processes needed to our approach sometimes to how we handle Christians in these situations. Sometimes our thought is, you did the crime, you've got to do the time. And that's not the purpose of, of discipline. That's not how God handles us. That's not fatherly discipline in Hebrews chapter 12. That's not the mutual care in the body. This is not bringing them to continual repentance. And definitely, after things happen, don't allow the line from a famous old poem that says, a bird with a broken pinion will never soar as high again. Because God takes a Peter and makes him bigger than he ever was before, and God will do that with us. So, in the local church community, I tell you, every believer belongs. Every believer can add value. Every believer needs to have relationship. You need to belong to the community. And you will all have times in your life where you need help. And that's why you need to be part of the body. That's why you need to be plugged into a local assembly. God brought you into a big body. You need to commit and take your part in this family, in this refuge, in this place where God will support you and will sustain you. And I'm going to have to leave it there. Can't get into the personal stuff. I've already cut five, ten minutes. Well, no, we start at 10 after, so we're going to end at 10 too. So I'm seven minutes in your time, Clive. I give you full authorization to go into the other half. <laughs> Thank you. If you do have questions about this, come talk to me. Um, we're, we're, we're discussing truth together. We're, we're revisiting, we're, we're examining ourselves, and every place is autonomous, and you'll have to make your own decisions. But let's, let's try to take these principles from the Word of God.